Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA, where we thought we'd lead off with a little religious humor. Oh dear. <laughs> a man entered a silent religious order where you were only allowed to say two words per year. At the end of his first year, the bishop asked him what would be his first two words. As the man was hungry often during the year, he replied, more food. By the end of the second year, he had often felt cold, so when asked by the bishop for his next two words, he replied, more blankets. But during his third year, he came to realize that he was not really suited for the silent order. So when he came before the bishop to utter his last two words, he told the bishop that he had not been very happy these last three years and was leaving the order. The bishop replied, you may as well go. All you've done is complain since you've got here. <laughs> This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout-out to spirit-led Christians everywhere, greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our risen Lord and Savior and thank Him for His sacrifice on Calvary, and we look forward to His soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us as we speak to your people today. We ask that your revelation would flow from our hearts and minds to their hearts and minds, and they would understand you, not by reason, but by revelation. We ask in the name of Jesus that you bless all those who's made time to listen to your word, and that we all come into your image and likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, my co-host with the spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is The Fullness of Christ. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm doing really well today. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. I only slept about six hours last night. Uh-oh. I rested well when I did. That's good. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> Yeah, I think that introduction story just goes to show that it really doesn't matter how much you talk, it's what you say. <laughs> it comes across as complaining or not. It's <laughs> just funny. Today we're going to talk about the fullness of Christ. And the reason we're going to talk about this today is that it's a present revelation that's coming into our lives. And we want to talk to you about it so that you understand what God is trying to do in these last days with his people. The basic premise is that we are to come in the fullness and the stature of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be like Jesus Christ. That's what a Christian means. And it is our destiny to manifest the Spirit of God just like Jesus manifested the Spirit of God. Now, Jesus had the Spirit of God in fullness. Everything that God was was in him. And as the body of Christ, each of us manifests the Spirit of Christ in measure. Mm -hmm. But to the measure given to us, we are supposed to become fully Jesus Christ to those around us and to the world. Now, this is important because I don't believe that we fully grasp what that means. I mean, Jesus is going to be seen in us to such a degree that the world will say, if they have seen us, they have seen the Father. Mm -hmm. They'll say, they and the Father are one. And this is our destiny. This is the end point that God is bringing to us because it says in the scriptures, when we see him, we will be like him because we have become 
essentially Jesus Christ to the world. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Christy? Yeah, the scripture talks about when we look at his glory, we are changed to his image. And we kind of take that really lightly. And we talk about it as if it's something that's some huge future event. We all know when we get to heaven and things are perfect, we're going to become perfect like he's perfect. But we don't recognize that what God intended was for that to begin on earth. Right. When he fills us with his spirit, it's because he wants to manifest through us. And it's not just like we're 80% ourselves and 20% God. We're supposed to be fully his. Exactly. You know, the New Testament talks about dying to ourselves so that Christ can live in us. If Christ is living in us, he's living through us. People should see him. People should recognize him in us and we should manifest him. And that comes by yielding to his spirit. That comes by becoming one with him. And what's really cool about that is that when God wants to become one with his people, he doesn't do it the exact same way in each person, meaning he doesn't create cookie-cutter Christians. He created each person uniquely for a purpose because he loves uniqueness. And I think he loves the idea of manifesting himself through different people with different personalities, different desires, different callings on their lives, different ways of speaking. It's really neat to see God shine through a person that he takes their personality and makes it Christ-like. And so Jesus shines through that person's personality, but you see that it's Jesus, but it's Jesus mixed with that person's personality. That's the way he wants to manifest through us. And like you said, it's in measure. Jesus had the fullness of God in him. We have a measure of Christ as much as we allow. And there's nobody that allows it fully, but I think increasingly we're supposed to be more and more like him and yield more and more to him so he can manifest through us. And I don't think we grasp the understanding of what God really intends by that. He was very excited when he left earth because he wanted to send his spirit so that we could get more understanding and learn more truth and manifest God in the way that Jesus did all over the world as he could multiply through his people because his spirit lives in each of his people. Absolutely correct. You know, Jesus understood that as long as he was on the earth, God wouldn't leave him. Now that he was resurrected, him and God were just hmm. so united there was no difference. And so what he did is he made really a big sacrifice for all of us because he went to heaven so that he could allow God to be in our hearts as God had been in his heart. And this was very, very important because there's nobody that could live a perfect life without the Holy Spirit living his life through them. And the fullness of Jesus Christ is actually allowing God to operate fully through you and not allowing your natural mind or your fleshly desires to want to do anything else but what he wants. And so the fullness of Christ has not come yet, but you see it down through history in some people. You know, St. Francis of Assisi, you know him today, centuries after the guy passed away. Why? Because he allowed Christ to be seen in him. And this level of manifestation of God is far beyond anything that we know now. We are going to become literally living epistles read and known of mm. all men. We will become the word of God. Just as Jesus was the manifestation of the Logos, we will be the manifestation of the Logos. The words that we speak will be literally scripture when this comes to fruition. And I've just been grappling with that this week because I've realized that my standard of following God and being a manifestation of God to this world is way, way below where God really mm -hmm. wants it. God revealed to me about Sarah this week. 
And he pointed me over to that story about how Sarah called Abraham Lord. And I was thinking about it, and it struck me like a bolt of lightning that calling him Lord was just not a respectful gesture. She was calling him Adonai. She was calling him Yahweh, basically. She believed that God was leading him so strongly that whatever he did and whatever she did in relationship to his desires was essentially following God. You know, I never understood why Sarah, after a bad experience the first time in Egypt, went down there a second. But when I thought about her looking at Abraham as her Lord, it made sense. Because she was not following a man. She was following God in a man. And that is what gave her the confidence to go down a second time to something that didn't work out so good the first time around. That's right. And I think that's the importance of women being with their divine mates. Because if you're not with a man that God flows through, it's very difficult to submit yourself to him. Because we submit ourselves first and foremost to God. But when we are submitting ourselves to God, the way that God has structured the order is he puts a covering over us in the form of a man. And every woman needs to have a man as a covering. And as she does that, she wants to have a man and needs to have a man who is going to manifest God to her. Because it's very hard to submit to a man who is not leading you in the way that God exactly. is leading you. And we always submit to the authority over our authority. There's so many women that have such an issue with submitting to a man. But the truth of it is that that's the way that God has chosen to keep us safe. That's the way that God has chosen to lead us. doesn't mean that men are always perfect, but if we're submitting to the authority over our authority, then when our authority leads us, even in a way that may not be exactly God's will, if they miss the mark, God is always going to protect us and have our back just like he did with Sarah. That is the way that God wants to move on the earth is through his people. He wants to do it with authority figures that he flows through to those that they have been put in charge of. And he wants to do that through each believer as we just yield ourselves to him every day. This isn't actually a new concept. The fullness of it is described in the New Testament. The fullness of it, I think, is being lived out as we see this tabernacles movement coming on the earth, the new heavens and new earth picture being manifest on the earth. But it's actually a principle that God's had in mind from the beginning. He really wanted that for his people, Israel, mm -hmm. to manifest God to the earth. When Jesus was just about to be stoned for saying, I am, and the Pharisees were thinking, oh, it's blasphemy, you're calling yourself God. He referred to a scripture in Psalm 82. Well, in the scripture here, it says, have I not called all you gods? If God calls his people Israel gods, it's Elohim, it's the word Elohim, but it's a lowercase in the Hebrew, meaning it is a almost like a sub-god. It's subject to God, but it's a manifestation of God. Jesus said, if God had intended that for his people, then how can you say that when I am actually him, <laughs> that I shouldn't be saying that? Exactly. And you know what's interesting about that scripture in Psalm 82? Before he says that I have called you all gods, he says, they don't know, they don't understand, they wander about in darkness. Meanwhile, all the foundations of the earth are undermined. But my decree is, you are Elohim, you are gods or judges, sons of the Most High, all of you. And the thing that's interesting is the entire world is wandering around in darkness, and even the foundations of the earth are being undermined because we're not taking our place as the manifestation of God. 
think that's what he's saying here is that I have intended that my people Israel will manifest me. You are all sons of the Most High. You are little gods, so to speak. You are manifestations of God. That's what he intended for his people. But because they weren't walking in that, then darkness was coming on the earth and the foundations of the earth were being undermined. So when God sent his spirit, that gave us more of an ability to do that. Obviously, the people of Israel could not do that in their own strength, even though some of them tried and some of them succeeded more than others. But as believers that are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have a gift that enables us to walk that out and to be a manifestation of him. He loves his children that he created and he wants to inhabit us because he wants to flow through us into the earth. That's how he intended it from the time he created Adam to flow through us onto this earth to be manifestations of him. And we just need to grasp that and start to really walk in that. It's a very odd thing to think about being a manifestation as closely as Christ was a manifestation of God. At one time, a person said, good master, and then he rebuked him and says, there's none good save the father which is in heaven. Another person worshipped him and he allowed him to do it. What was the difference? The difference was the heart intent in the person that was doing it. One person was trying to call Jesus the man good. And Jesus Mm. said, no, there's no man good, only the Father. You know, worship him. And then the other guy who was worshipping him was not worshipping Jesus the man, he was worshipping Jesus the manifestation of God. Interesting. And in that, he did not think it was robbery to be equal to God. Because he was manifesting fully the Logos of God, the very heart, intent, and word of God. He was the expression of God fully. And to worship that in him was not wrong. Now that just blows your mind. That just sends all these little warning bells off in your mind Mm -hmm. saying, Are you saying that people are going to worship us? God, no. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying people are going to know that God is with them. Yes. Emmanuel 2.0 is going to walk the earth, and people are going to know it. We're going to raise the dead, heal the sick, give sight to the blind, heal the cripple, touch the leper. We're going to walk on water, people. Jesus was not kidding when he said, all things are possible if you believe. And this is something that I'm having to come to grips with, too. You know, I have no desire to touch God's glory. He's got the glory. I'm Mm -hmm. really good with that. My only heart is that I want to be faithful to do what he says for me to do. And I want others to see Christ in me and through me. I want the works that I do to be the works of God. And so it's not, I don't want to grasp anything God has. I'm really, really comfortable with him being God. Mm -hmm. And I am his servant. Mm -hmm. And so as we come into the fullness of Jesus Christ, as we come into the stature that he stood with they are going to look at us and god is going to look back there's no equivocating that there's no soft peddling that we will be god manifest in the flesh and that's fitting when you think about it because we are the body of christ and you don't want to put the wrong body with the head you want to put the right body that is like the head so it becomes a complete man and so this revelation that We are going to be much more than the average Christian imagines. Is really just blowing my mind. I'm just thinking, wow, that's uh, it's pretty heavy. And when we manifest it in the way that we know that it's God manifesting, there isn't a temptation to receive the glory. 
I've had times when God has flowed through me to other people and people will say, wow, you know, God just spoke to me through what you said and that was exactly God. I never take that as me. I never take exactly. that that honor and that praise as myself because I know that I've been yielded to God and I knew it wasn't me speaking. I knew it was God speaking through me. I feel honored that God used me. I feel blessed that I could be emptied enough that God could flow through me. That makes me feel like I'm serving him, but I don't have a temptation to receive his glory. And I even tell the people that was just God, that wasn't me. And I think that's the thing that we need to understand is that those who are willing to receive worship and receive glory are not the ones that are truly flowing in the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God would not allow that. You know, even the angels refused worship from people. And we know if God is flowing through us that it's not us. We can give glory to God. But our desire should be to completely manifest him. You know, Peter even talks about that. When anyone speaks, he says, speak as the very words of God. Oracles of God. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. What if nothing that we said was our own words, but was just God's words, just like Jesus? Everybody looks at Jesus and says, oh, yeah, well, he was God. But Jesus lived on the earth in exactly the same way that we can live as human beings. He didn't call upon his heavenly powers. He didn't call upon his supernatural powers any more than we can do. He submitted himself to the Father and allowed the Father to speak through him and move through him. He just did it perfectly. But he did it as an example and a picture of how we can live. He said, greater things than I have done you will be able to do because the Spirit will come into you and you will be able to do these things. So everything that we see Jesus doing, we are able to do if we would yield to the Spirit and allow him to flow through us. And even more, we see that in the book of Acts. We don't have any record of Jesus' shadow falling on anyone and healing people. But in the New Testament, his believers' shadows fell on people and their shadows would heal people. That's an example of a greater thing that he is doing because the Spirit came. So we can't just look at Jesus and go, well, that's really cool, but I can't do that because I'm not Jesus. No, but if the Spirit of God is living in you, then you are a manifestation of that same Spirit that Jesus was a manifestation of. Yeah, you have rightly spoken. You know, Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth. But Peter got up and said, this is that which the Spirit spake of and testify. They're both Scripture. Why are they both Scripture? Because the Holy Spirit... In Jesus spoke, the meek shall inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit in Peter spake, this is that. It is a revelation. It's not something that flesh and blood can reveal to you. Yeah. You know, you can hear me talk about this all day long and you're not going to get it unless God uncover it to you so that you understand what's really going on here. The days are coming very, very soon when Jesus is going to walk the earth again through his saints, both men and women, young and old, rich and poor, you know, the highborn, the lowborn, anybody in the world who will say yes to him. He will inhabit them, and when he speaks through them, it will be the word of God. It will be such an explosion of revelation, the world will be shaken right down to its foundations. This is something that is so awesome, I can't even describe what I see. But in the worst places in the world, people are just going to stop being evil. People are just going to stop doing bad things. If your neighbor is hungry, you'll feed him. If somebody lacks clothing, you'll give him the shirt off your back. If somebody doesn't have a place to stay, you say, I have a second room. Come stay with me. Now, all this will be spirit-led. It's not a random act. It's not just us deciding to be good all of a sudden. This is God through us being himself. And when God shows up, people just naturally... Pay attention because that's how we're made. This move of God, this divine love, 
this is something that's going to shake the whole world. It's going to demonstrate to everyone that God is with us and God has returned for his people. And those that will hear his voice in this generation will become perfected. Not through their own efforts, not because they're better than somebody else. It's just that they're going to fully yield to God in him and the fullness of God will show through them. And God will not let his people suffer indignation. He will take them out before the Antichrist really gets a grip on things. And this is our blessed hope. And this is what we look forward to. And this is why we should all grasp what God is doing right now. Yeah, we really should. And the idea of it is the measure that we are given. God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. And when we manifest God, we are not all-powerful. However, we can call upon the power of God when the time calls for it, when he moves on us to do whatever he wants us to do for our part and our measure. Paul talks about the measure or the metron that you are given to minister to. And it's also the measure and the metron that God has given you. So even though me, as I manifest Christ, I'm not all-powerful, I can call upon the power of God in the specific situation that the Spirit leads me to, to manifest something that God wants to manifest. God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. When we manifest God, we don't know everything, but we can get a word of knowledge for a particular situation, supernatural understanding or knowledge of something that we wouldn't normally know as the Spirit leads to fit with our measure and our metron that God has given us. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. When we manifest God, we are not everywhere at once. However, when we are really yielded to the Spirit, we could be like Philip, who was translated from one place to another, as if he was omnipresent. It's for that particular mission and measure that he was given. So that's what we need to remember. We have everything that's available to us. We are not God because we're not all of those things, but we can take those things in measure as God flows through us as a manifestation and a representation of him. All of that is available to us. Christianity is a team sport. Yeah. It's not an individual thing like wrestling one-on-one. It's in these latter days, we as the body of Christ manifest the fullness of Christ. No one person has everything. That's why we need each other. That's why we need God to connect us as he decides, as he wills, as he foresees the need. And as we are connected and as we allow him to flow through us as a corporate entity, We manifest Christ to the world, and we manifest Christ in a greater degree than Jesus could because he was one man in one time 2,000 years ago. You know, Jesus was the Son of God, born of a virgin, impregnated by God and his seed. And that was a miracle to show that God wanted to unite with humanity. And God wants to unite with humanity again. The same way he united with his son, Jesus Christ. He filled Jesus Christ with his fullness when he was baptized at the River Jordan. That's when the dove descended upon him. That's when God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The same thing is going to happen to the body of Christ. We are going to come to a certain point where the Holy Spirit is going to indwell us in such a degree that he is going to say, these are my beloved sons and daughters in whom I am well pleased. And from that time forth, we will go out and do the works of the ministry. God will be seen. Those who don't believe God will really find it difficult because God's going to be standing right there in front of them. And the works of God, those we are going to do. God is going to testify to a lost and hurting world that he has come again 
for their salvation, so that they have a chance to choose, so that they have an opportunity to make heaven their home, just like every Jew in Jerusalem had when Jesus came. Mm. This is our destiny. This is the fullness of Christ in us. This is what God's getting at. He wants to save the world. Jesus Christ began it. He wants to finish it through his body of Christ. And I think the biggest obstacle that we need to overcome is that we underestimate what God means by oneness with him. Yes. When Jesus talks about, I pray that my disciples will all be one with each other, and then I will be in them, and the Father will be in me, that's a level of oneness that we can't even comprehend. We are so separatist-minded. It's me and my stuff and you and your stuff, and we're all separate, and we're all individuals, especially in the United States. We're really into individualism. We're not as tribal as a lot of other places in the world are. But what God wants is his spirit to flow through all of us and unite us. That's why when we are really yielded to the spirit of God, we can sense things that are going on in other people and other believers. God gives us insight into what someone else is dealing with, and we know when to pray. We know when to send them a message to encourage them. We can carry one another's burdens, not just because we know it cognitively, but because we feel it in our spirits. That's the kind of oneness that God is going for. When we really understand the oneness of God being in his people, it's something that our minds really can't wrap around because we think of God as being such a separate entity. Somebody who lives in heaven and we're here on earth and if we're really lucky, we can sense him a little bit. No, it's not a matter of him being way up in heaven and us being on earth. It's a matter of him living in us and through us. And when we are seeking for God, when we have the Holy Spirit living in us. It's inside of us that we need to look. It's sensing the presence of God in us and around us and in the people around us because he manifests himself through his people. It's that oneness that unites all of us together. If we can't grasp that oneness that God wants, it's a very difficult concept to try to understand. And like you were saying, it's been that way since the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were created to be in his image and likeness. I mean, that was our purpose. Yeah. That was his design. From the beginning, God has wanted to reveal himself in his fullness through men and women. This is what it's all been about since the beginning. And when we look at ourselves present day, you know, we're so far from that. We despair that we could ever be more than a servant at his castle or something. Mm -hmm. And the truth is you're all destined to be that. I don't care who's listening to me right now. I don't care what you've done how limited you think you are, you are destined, if you have the guts to lay hold of it, to be something incredible. God wants to manifest himself through you, and you're already a vessel. You got to hear me on this, guys and gals. You're already a vessel. There's nothing you need to do to make yourself any more suitable to house God. A pot is a pot, and you're already a pot. And if you allow him to do what he really wants to do and to fill you, you'll be a pot filled with God. And that is exactly what everybody is going to be that says yes. None of us is a better pot than the other pot. Only God is good. Only God is awesome. But you become pretty awesome when God fills you. And we just understand by his spirit that there's no good thing in us except when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, which a lot of you are already filled with the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit. The only thing you need to do now is let him out. Say yes to him when he wants to go do something. Let him out of the house. If he wants to go and walk down in the park at 12 noon today, then that's exactly what you do. 
And if he leads you to talk to somebody, you go and talk to him. You conquer your fear. You conquer your self-consciousness. And you just go and do his will. That's how you become a pot filled with God. And the more you allow him out, the more comes in. And you find that you're continually filled with the Spirit of God just flowing through you. And you feel wonderful. You know, whatever problems you have right now kind of fade into the background when God shows up. And that's really true. The Spirit-filled life is the abundant life. That's when his yoke becomes easy and his burden is light, is when you stop living your life and allow him to do his thing. You just let him have your feet, your hands, your mouth, your eyes, your wealth, your house, your car, your relationships. You let him drive. You're a passenger and you just yield to God. We don't have to do anything. We just let him be what he wants to be. That's right. And we don't have to do anything, but we do have to allow him to do what he wants to do. Exactly. When the spirit fills us, it's not in the same way as demonic creatures will possess someone where the person is completely out of control and the demon just flows through them. We have the choice of how much we're going to yield to God. I know that I've experienced times when I could feel the prompting of God to do something and I've just resisted and resisted and it took all of my strength to resist because God really wanted me to go talk to a particular person and I didn't want to. And I didn't end up going and talking to that person because I did have the ability and the will to resist the Spirit of God. Yeah, you can say no. You can say no, but it's how much better would it be if I would have just yielded to what I was feeling the prompting to do and allowed God to flow through me? That's the blessed life. It's very uncomfortable to resist what the Spirit of God is trying to lead you to do, but it's blessed if we just step into it. The thing we need to remember, though, is that this world is not functioning and flowing according to the perfect will of God. And so oftentimes... When we start yielding to God, we're going to go different directions than we've gone before. We're going to do things that look weird compared to the world. We're going to have to make decisions that the world is going to look at us and go, what? That's ridiculous. And we have to be very careful to not get too much counsel from worldly things that are not godly. God will lead us. You know, the the word says that those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So when God leads you, you know you are his son. And the Spirit will lead us into all truth. That's what Jesus said. That's why he sent his Spirit, so that he will lead you into all truth, because Jesus didn't have enough time to teach us everything that we needed to know when he was on earth. That's why we need the Spirit. But when the Spirit leads us, he's going to set things right. He's going to realign things in our life. And a lot of the things that he calls us to are just going to really look weird compared to the world. And we need to be ready to suffer maybe some ridicule ready to make sacrifices, and we've got to be ready to let God lead and not let our own understanding get in the way of what God wants to do. To look weird and go to heaven is better to look good and go to hell. That's right. (laughs) You know, I was watching some YouTube videos the other day, and I watched uh, a YouTube video of uh, God's Great Dance Floor. Mm. It's all these people dancing to this guy who's singing, and it's just beautiful. You know, the whole place... Tens of thousands of people are just expressing themselves to God and dancing, and it was incredible. And I said, that's amazing. And then the next video I found was ACDC, Highway to Hell. And they were holding a a similar size concert, and everybody was dancing to the proposition that they're on a highway to hell. Wow. They had little devil horns, plastic things on their heads, you know. I thought to myself, my word, it's not even hidden anymore. Some people are dancing to the gods. Some people are dancing to the devil. It's just plain as day. And as we become more and more like Jesus Christ, we will suffer more and more of the type of ridicule that he received. The Jews did not receive him. 
his own people. He was a Jewish Messiah, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to stone him. It'll be no different in this generation. You know, the religious established, the people that have a vested interest in the status quo, they won't receive Jesus Christ any more than the Jews did. They will want to crucify you just like the Jews yelled crucify to Jesus. It's a given. So just know that it's going to come. It's the way that we react to the persecution that makes all the difference. If God is telling us to do this certain thing and people are all saying, oh no, that can't be of God, it violates our doctrine. But you know in your heart that that's how God is leading you. You got to give due to God. You don't listen to men over him. Because ultimately, ultimately the only thing that stands between you and hell is the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The proclamation was given in the Garden of Eden. God intended to destroy this earth and this heavens, but he delayed it. Why? Because his son was going to come and die for the sins of the world so that people would have a avenue to have their sins cleansed by his blood. And so his blood better be all that he says it is, or we're in a lot of trouble because there's none righteous among us. No, not one. And we need his blood to cover our sins, to pay the price for our wrongs, or else we're in a world of hurt. And if you think that you can go and argue with God at the last great judgment, you've got another thing coming. And so it behooves everyone who loves Jesus and wants to be called according to his purposes to come into the fullness and stature of Jesus Christ. You want to hear, well done, my good and faithful mm -hmm. servant, enter into my rest. You want to be on the side of the sheep and not separated over at the sides of the goats. Because at that time, it's all decided. I always am reminded that Noah preached for a hundred years. He was a preacher of righteousness. He told people what were coming as he was building the boat. And he cried against the sin and the oppression and all the evil and wicknesses in that generation. And there came a day when God decided that it was time. The animals were in the ark. Noah and his family were in the ark. And you know what? God shut the door. Not Noah, not anybody else. God shut the door. And he shut it seven days before the rain came. And so for seven days, Noah was sitting in that ark with all those animals, and people were laughing at him. That was a huge boat built on dry ground. And for seven days, people were very smug and happy that they were right and Noah was wrong. And then the first drop of rain hit. And from then on, everybody knew what was going on. But it was too late. You know, this is why you want to do fully God's will. The whole thing with Noah is that the guy did fully God's will. There's nothing he didn't do. He built the boat. He got the animals. He put away the fodder and the grain and gathered his family, the, ones, the only ones that were still with him all that time. And I'm just saying to you today, all the things that you think are a problem are really kind of beside the point. All the riches of the world, when the first rains came, were beside the point. All the problems that people had, all the excuses they had for not being with Noah, were beside the point. It didn't matter. You had to be in the ark. So this idea of being in the fullness of stature of Christ is something we need to lay hold of because it's very, very important in this day and age. We're living in an age of strong delusion. And I know this by the Spirit. And it's the Spirit that has opened my eyes to this. At first I thought, well, maybe we're coming into the outer edges of it. Then I thought, 
no, I can see that we're more into it than I thought. And then when God really opened my eyes, it's, oh my word, the strong delusion we are in is almost pitch black. And we know it not because we've grown up in it. And the only way through this night is the light of God, the revelation of God. You need strong revelation to counteract strong mm-hmm. delusion. And this is primarily why we're doing this podcast, because we're being a light to those that are caught in outer darkness. And we're beckoning you to come towards the light. Come towards God. Let him illuminate your mind. We're not telling you how you have to live. We're not telling you the set of rules you got to follow. All we're saying is come towards God. Get near him. Let him illuminate your life and show you what he wants you to do. And this is the call of the hour. The drawing towards this generation is to know God and know him fully and become a manifestation of his spirit to a lost and dying generation. It's you. It's not somebody else. I'm not talking to anybody else but you right now. God's calling you. He's calling to you who is taking the time to listen to his word today. Drop everything else you're doing and get to know God personally. Make it your mission to hear his voice. And then when you hear it, do his will when he says to do it. In this way, you will become a vessel for his glory. And he will lead and guide you through the coming days. And you will find out that you have triumphed when so many else have lost everything. Mm, That's right. And the easy part of that is that we just allow him to lead and we go with the flow and we obey where he's prompting us to go. The difficulty is that the majority of the time we're going to be against where man is going. Yeah, that's just a given. Yeah, Noah (laughs) stood firm in what he said God was doing. But if our aim and our drive in life is to be a people pleaser and to get the praise of men, we're not going to be able to do what God is asking us to do. Jesus said, I am the manifestation of God in the fullness, and they called my works from the devil. And if they called my works from the devil, what are they going to call your works? What are they going to say about you if they call me the devil? And we need to remember that, that the Bible is very clear. If I want to please man, I cannot please God. And if I please God, I am not going to please man. So we have to understand that's one of the difficulties that we're going to come across. We're going to have resistance from man when we do what God wants us to do fully. And the more fully we manifest the Spirit of God the more we're going to butt heads with the status quo and mankind. Boy, do I know that. (laughs) My, do I know that. Yeah. (laughs) I remember being in Bible college, and I got the call that I was kicked out of both the church and the college. You know, I was four credits away from from graduating, you know. Silly me, I had violated their doctrine. And I told them, I said, God is leading me differently. That didn't matter. No. I was out. That was the church that just fellowshiped you. Nobody would talk to you. You know, it was very, very controlling. That's my first real taste of legalism because I was on the other side of it now. I used to be like that. And I found out, oh, my God, that's why nobody likes us. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I had a similar you know, experience. It felt really, really bad. Yeah. And God kept calling me to do things and to be things and to say things that nobody understood and nobody agreed with. And it was not until years later that people finally started coming around saying, well, that may be a little bit true. (laughs) It really is difficult to be a forerunner. Yeah. And that's what many people that are listening to this podcast are. They're forerunners. They're people that are essentially born out of time to the move of God. You're a tabernacle Christian in a Pentecostal age. But right directly, 
the tabernacle experience is going to break upon earth and you'll be one of the forerunners, one of the first people that knew it was coming. Yeah. And I've just decided to tell everybody. I don't care. I'm going to tell you. But at the same time, I do have a compassion, I believe, that is given by him to state things plainly so those who have ears to hear can hear what God is saying to this generation. Because I don't want people to unnecessarily perish. Mm. And that is why we need to come into the fullness and stature of Jesus Christ. Because if we are living in an evil, perverse, and wicked generation, we need the Holy Spirit to be our righteousness. We need the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us out of Sodom and Gomorrah. We need to be those people that sigh and cry for the sins of Jerusalem and that God puts a mark on their head so that when the reaper comes through, it doesn't get us. This is important stuff, and I don't really know how to say it to you. What I am counting on is that you will understand it through the Spirit, Mm -hmm. not because I sound reasonable or authoritative or learned, but because your heart and your spirit bears witness to the words that I'm saying. That's right. It's a spiritual move, and it's being led by the Spirit, and those who are joining in with what God is doing are doing so just because they're hearing from the Spirit. It's not a natural-minded reasoning that will lead you to do the things of God. It's just a knowing in your spirit and a following of where the Spirit is leading. Well, on that amazing note, I think that's about all we have to talk about at God's Love Club this week. It's amazing what God will say on God's Love Club. Mm-hmm. It's whatever God's saying at the time he's saying it. Yeah. I mean, that's what we really want to hear. You not want to hear Michael and Christy. You want to mm-hmm. hear God speaking through Michael and Christy. And that's what we're really actually trying to do yeah that's what we're trying to do and we believe that you are blessed and that you are called because you're listening to this podcast this is not a really widely advertised podcast you know it's basically you come upon it because the holy spirit is Mm -hmm. arranging it and we just say thank you for listening to the whole podcast thank you for considering the things that we're saying take those things that make sense to you Mm -hmm. that strike a certain chord in your spirit and hold fast to those truths. It's a smorgasbord, you know? Yeah, exactly. Pick what looks delicious and Mm -hmm. then pass up the asparagus if you don't like it. (laughs) Right. Anyway, we love you. Thank you for being here. We give you another gold star. You made it to the end. You're an intrepid soul. That is the type of spirit that's going to carry you through Mm. the end of this age. That's right. We love you. You have a blessed week. And we'll see you next time on God's Love Club. Bye-bye. Bye.